I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ram Dass's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ram Dass, Krishna Dass, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more, the Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Teaching meditation can be a deeply rewarding experience. Help others improve their mental and emotional well-being reduce stress, improve focus, increase self-awareness and self-regulation, all while deepening your own practice and understanding. Join acclaimed author, Buddhist teacher, and Emmy Award-winning musician David Nickturn on Tuesday, May 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for a free online discussion on teaching meditation in Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash be here now for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn on May 28th. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Krishna Das Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishna Das shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishna Das's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/kd. Uh, hi. Um, your music resonates with a lot of devotion. Really? Ask the people. Uh, <laughs> um, can you comment on devotion in chanting and in practice? Well, you can't manufacture love. Right? You can't manufacture it. You can't squeeze it out of something. It's got to show up. And for me, the longing 
the longing to live in this moment, in the presence of my guru, in the presence of love, real love, unconditional love, the longing to be in that is very strong. That longing was uh, fueled by my time with him in India, but I had it already as a kid. But he, he threw more logs on the fire. And so when I sing, I have that longing to really do it, you know, really be with it and to really uh, do what I have to do to enter into that space of, of love, which is always here, but we're not paying attention. We're not looking. So for me, that's it. Longing is the key. Longing is the thing. It On one hand, it's the key. it'll save your life. On the other hand, it's going to ruin your life because nothing will ever be enough except when it is. And the only thing that will ever be enough is you, is your true being, your heart. Anything we look at from the outside will never be enough. It'll be enjoyable for a while, but that's it. So, the more times you experience that uh, dissatisfaction, that inability for us to squeeze water from a stone, the less often we try to do it, and we try to go inside and find something else. So that devotion you talk about, in my case, is really that longing to be in that love all the time. It's it's not a mystery. That's the whole thing. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Secret language we're talking. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. And that's, you know, that longing, by the way, let's, once we go, let's go back. Everything Every every moment, everything has a cause, right? Nothing is causeless except the real thing. So if we have that longing, where does that come from? Where does that come from? That longing actually is our uh, connection to something that's deeper than what we do most of the time and what the rest of the world does most of the time. That longing is the, the thing that's looking through stuff to, to be with it in a deeper place. It's, it's, it's life-saving. It's heart-saving. It's what saves us because it keeps us looking in the right direction to find what can be found. Yeah. Um, hi. hi, my name is Ricardo. And no Carlos? No Carlos. <laughs> and uh, it was amazing. I just passed by and uh, saw a lady coming in. And uh, I said, what's going on over there? <laughs> and and uh, I've been to India. I've been to a couple of temples in India. But one of my questions is that I went through a very hard trauma in my childhood and it made me be aware of everything 
like I'm constantly aware of things in life. I have a lot of premonitions and I could see when things are going to happen and all that. So I had to step back from practicing mm-hmm. my meditations and all that because I was getting too close to see too much and it scares me. Mm-hmm. It was like too much. And then I had to stop for like two years. Now I'm trying to come back. What do you, what do you think is, am I afraid to see that to be, to, to know so much or what's going on? What do you think I have? Sometimes it's like, I know, I know that I'm aware of too many things and that sometimes just scare me too at the same time. Yeah. Well, all you can do is once again, what we practice when we chant, whatever we're thinking, whatever visions we have, whatever we experiencing that is not chanting, we let go and we come back to the chanting. You have to practice letting go. And when don't be afraid of the fear. That's a whole other level of fear. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not like you can just stop, but become aware of what's going on in you. It's not the things themselves. Because of your situation, you have some windows that are open, so to speak. There's no sense trying to close those windows. What we can change is the way we react to our experiences, to what we experience. What you don't have at this point is the ability to have a vote as to what arises in you from what you see. And I see myself, I'm very aware of that one day I'm going to be sitting like you teaching other people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm anxious. I don't know if it's already, I'm ready to do it now. Or is it that I still had to wait for that moment? But I, I'm very aware that I'm close to that point. Well, it's not up to me to say yes or no. But all I can say is that point isn't here now. You're sitting there. If you could really be there now, you wouldn't be concerned about the future. But you want something. So you're thinking that might be good. It might not be good. Maybe it'll get you into more trouble. <laughs> you don't know. Be here with now. Mm-hmm. What happens later happens later. Fuck it. You don't care. It's not up to you. Be here now. What, the only time you can change anything is now. But the, the being in the now yeah. is that I'm so aware of what I see. No. Then you're seeing. You're not being that's different. That's just like thinking. I know what you're saying, but like you're feeling okay. The feeling of same difference. Okay. If I step on your foot, you feel that. But when you're feeling the pain, so or the fe- feeling, you're not here. You're there. You're not used to just being. You should, uh, obviously, this you're, it's a very intense situation for you. So I can't. 
and I don't know enough myself to push a button and make everything okay. But all I can say is that whatever you're, you could try to just relax and be with your breath. What happens tomorrow happens tomorrow. What happened yesterday already happened. This is the moment when you can just be here. And to do that, you have to release your fears. You have to become aware of the things that pull you out of this moment. Okay, so in one year or six months, you'll be sitting on a, in front of millions of people making billions of dollars. But that's not here now. That's not here. Okay, in six months, you'll be sitting in front of a million people and making a lot of trouble for yourself. <laughs> that's still not here now. Okay, in six months, you'll be sitting there and helping so many people. That's still not here now. Let it go. Okay. The inability to let it go is, is this fear and all the reactions that come about it. Just breathe. Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. And tomorrow will be here tomorrow. Okay, thank you so much. I, I wish you the best. Thank you. Yeah. And you can speak to God. Yeah. And really carry on a conversation deep inside. Okay, good luck. Hi, I'm Willie. Hi. And pleasure. Um, I had the pleasure of seeing you in Sao Paulo once. Uh, through the main? Had the, through the main. And uh, it was a freezing morning, I remember, and it was amazing. And Where was it? In uh, in Vida Poeta Park. Oh, okay. in, um, I guess what what I wanted to know is um, you travel internationally, which I and I just wanted to know what how important is that to you, and is there any differences or commonalities in the spiritual, I guess, Kirtan community? Well, there's the whole world, and then there's Brazil. <laughs> Come on, I, I'm sorry to tell you. 15,000 people dancing up and down and singing. It's like, nope, you can't imagine what it's like. It's so beautiful. But, of course, they suffer just like everybody else. But for 10 minutes, it's great. Uh, everybody's the same. Everybody wants the same thing. Cultures are different. It's expressed in different ways. I mean, the first time I went to Switzerland, I did a workshop. Everybody sat there like this. And I talked and talked, and nobody asked a question. The minute I finished talking, everybody rushed up to the front and was asking 4,000 questions, but there wasn't, you know, in their head to look. It's just everybody's different, but everybody wants the same thing everywhere. We're all part of one family. And it's hard to remember sometimes because, you know, you know, you know what they say, if you want to see how your spiritual practice is going, go visit your family. <laughs> so, so here we are. It's the whole family all the time. So, yeah, it's all good. Everybody's wonderful. Muito obrigado. Thank you. Yeah, we just do what we do. You know, <clears throat> think about surrender. We're talking a little bit about that. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, you do what you do. Give it a hundred percent, but the results of your actions are not up to you. You do the best you can every day, 
whatever you do, you do the best you can, but the results of your actions are not under our control. So we have to recognize that. You can try, try, try. And if it's not supposed to happen, or if it's not in the best interest of even of yourself, it won't happen. So it's very, uh, surrender is a very big thing. It's a very deep subject. It's really the goal. Ramana Maharshi said, what a yogi, what a, what a jnani, or somebody who does this, who am I practice, experiences uh, after enlightenment, is the same thing that a devotee or a, a, a bhakta or somebody on the path of love experiences on the way to enlightenment. It's exactly the same thing, just slightly different. All the, the bliss and the love and the merging and the, all the experiences that you have, this is what happens. A jnani, get, that all comes to him naturally after he recognizes his true nature. Devotee, on the way to recognizing his true nature, has the same experiences before. It's very interesting. All right. Anybody? Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, it's coming. Well, where's the mic? Okay, near next. Hi. My name is Vivian. Not Carlos? No. Okay. Listen, I want to know why is that you always have red shirt or that is a purpose yeah. or a meaning? Yeah, I simple. told you to do it. But Very simple. My guru told me to. That's it? That's it. It's Hanuman's color. No reason. Hanuman's color. Oh. Hanuman's color. Thank you. Hanuman is the red monkey. So he told me to dye everything I had red, even my underwear. Everything had to be red. Don't think about it. <laughs> okay, think about it. Thinking. Uh, everything had to be red. It was really funny. So. And then when I came back to America and he died, I started wearing black. And I decided I'd be the hell's angel of Kirtan. And I got over that and put the red back on. So that's why it's red. So it's obedience. Huh? It's obedience. A weirdness? Obedience. Yeah. You obey. You yeah. obey. Yeah. He won't recognize me if I don't wear red. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Pass it back to that gentleman. For Hindustani Admi. Pujenge. Namaste. Namaste, Ji. So my name is not Carlos, it is Atul. Atul? Like oh, they made a movie about you. Yes. yes. Such a good right. Very so I, I, am, I think the, the question I was going to ask has just been asked as to your connection with Hanuman. But I will ask it again. Um, clearly when I hear your singing and your CDs or voices, you... Your voice changes when you speak, when you sing about Hanumanji. Uh -huh. So there's a very special connection there. How does that connection, what do you see in it when it comes to talk about devotion, about listening to your heart? What are the attributes? Or what speaks to you? Well, you know, 
uh, unconditional love is a wonderful thing, but uh, conditional love can be kind of cool too. <laughs> it's nice to have an object of, of love, especially if that object is a perfect being, you know, a completely awakened being like Hanuman. And my guru was considered to be a form of Hanuman, actually an incarnation of Hanuman. So for me, it's all that very much that lineage of Hanuman and Ram. And but when he named me Krishna Das, I looked at him like, "What, Krishna Das?" And he laughed. He said, "Oh, it's okay. Hanuman served Krishna too." All right, I didn't like it. Um, you know, Hanuman is a really extraordinary being. In India, he's considered to be the destroyer of suffering, the remover of obstacles, the destroyer of calamities, the remover of, of anything that's in our way, you know. And if we, you know, basically, we think of ourselves, we're separate beings, we, think we have things we want in life. And Hanuman, is, they talk about Hanuman, in a very unusual way, they say, not only does Hanuman bestow liberation, does let you enter into this liberated state freedom, but he makes it possible for us to satisfy the desires that we have that will be uh, beneficial for us to get. This is not a renunciate trip. There's no, you know, there's... It's not about renunciation or being a swami or anything like that. Hanuman, the, the Hanuman lineage is very different. It's very much in the world. Very much in the world. And so Hanuman and Maharaji would do whatever was necessary to help a being fulfill their karmas, you know. I, there was things, crazy things would happen. One time these two Indian guys came. And uh, Maharaji looked at one guy and he said, I'm going to make you the richest man in India. You want to be the richest man in India? The guy said, yeah, sure. He said, okay. He, he pissed into a cup. He said, oh, drink this and you will become the richest man in India. So the guy started to drink. His friend grabbed his hand. He said, give me some, give me some. <laughs> so he drank half a cup. Nothing happened to him. The other guy became super rich. So this is, he just fulfills certain karmas, you know. We all want things. We all want a lot of things. There's nothing wrong with that. The only thing wrong with it, quote unquote, is that we think it's going to make us happy. If we didn't think that, everything's fine. So Hanuman gives us those things. He makes it possible for us. Look at me. I want to be a rock and roll star. That's what I wanted, not a star, but a singer. I wanted to be in a band. I wanted to play music. And then I met Ramdas, and I kind of let, let go of all that stuff, and I just went in that direction. And then I wound up in India. Now look, what do I do? I play music, and I can do it sitting down. 
<laughs> How great is that? I don't have to go to the gym and work out like Mick Jagger all the time. I fucking sit down and do what I do. Who gives a shit, right? It's fantastic. Who could have arranged this except him, right? But instead of it feeding the kind of desires that I had when I was younger that would have destroyed me, absolutely, it's, it's become my spiritual practice and benefits me and everybody else. Isn't that incredible? That's grace. That's, that's, that's the way your own desires can be fulfilled in a way that's good for everybody instead of just going to destroy you. Like if I had gotten, if I had gone this other way, you know, there's this, I know you probably know the story, but I was going up to live with Ramdas for the first time in the uh, spring of 69. And on my way to Ramdas's place, I was living in upstate New York. I drove all the way down to New York State, all the way out on Long Island to go to a Jimi Hendrix concert. And while I was at the concert, the guys who I used to play music with had become a band. And the singer who replaced me couldn't sing in the studio. So the, pr the producer of the band, the manager, came to me and he said, come on, man, come back to the band. We have the whole record. That's my cow. <laughs> when my cow calls, I have to listen, you know. <laughs> Hold on. Don't tell the story about the band. <laughs> Just kidding. So, so I, I, uh, so he said, come back. All the tracks have been cut. We just need the singing. And this guy can't do it in the studio. You have to come back. But I had my two dogs and my cat and all my worldly possessions in my car. And after the concert, I was going to drive up to Ramdas's. I had moved out of my house, and I was on the way, right? And here I was presented with the, the thing I wanted more than anything in life, except what I felt when I met Ramdas, which was this, right? So I said, ah, can't do it. And that was that. They became very famous. But I would have been dead, of course, after a couple of years. Absolutely dead. And here I am. I'm doing what I wanted to do, but in such a nice way, right? It's actually good for me. Can you believe that? I can't. So, so this is how our desires are kind of channeled into giving us a sense of fulfillment and allowing us to really find some a good way to live inside of our lives as we go through and work on this path, walk on this path. It happens. I never thought it would happen, but it happened. So, there you go. Take care. And I wanted to also share a story with you about your, um, about your Hanuman Chalisa. Yeah. My mother... And I have listened to it for 15 years. Really? <laughs> She's 92 and she has dementia. Huh. So, sorry to hear that. But when she listens to your Charisa, it's definitely a different place. Wonderful. My father had Alzheimer's. 
and uh, it was very advanced. My sister used to go visit him at the home where he was, and she played videos of me singing. Mm -hmm. So he would just sit there like, you know, gone. But one day he turned to my sister and said, tell KD I'm singing with him in my mind. <laughs> How beautiful, right? So sweet. Thank you. Ah, thank you. Anyway. We are very, very quick to judge our darkness and to judge our struggles and to come down on ourselves because we're not this image of perfection that we think we should be or something, whatever that is. And when I hear about your life and I see what you do and I see how you've changed people's lives so incredibly amazingly, it makes me really grateful for your struggles. I would never wish anything like that upon anybody, especially somebody I love so much. But I'm so grateful that you've weathered what you've weathered with courage and... Weathering. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all are, right? Yeah, thank you. And um, my gratitude for your struggles makes me feel grateful for mine because your lesson is a lot is a your lesson is a lesson in trusting and understanding that all things really are in divine order and just hearing you and seeing your life is just an example of how perfect it all is. And it just, the title of your latest work, Trust in the Heart, um, it makes sense to me now mm. in a whole different way. Mm. And thank you so much. Thank you. I think that um, we all can learn that lesson that our greatest struggles and our greatest challenges are actually the things that in the end are going to bring the most light to the world if we allow ourselves to just embrace them and just be and to accept and to trust that all things are in divine order and to trust in that heart. Thank you so much. Thank you. I could arrange to have some of my struggles transferred over to you. I've got my own, and I have oh. a feeling that they're sort of working. So that's how far your compassion goes. <laughs> yeah, good luck with those. <laughs> ah, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank I appreciate you. it. Um, well, okay. It's like scarier when you own the microphone. Okay, um, I just wanted to thank you for like your music and everything because I'm a ninth grader in high school and like 
everything's just kind of hard, like with like classmates and everything. And like usually when I get home, I like to meditate with your music, and it really helps a lot. Cause you meditate in high school? No, like like when I get home. That's still ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're like God. Yeah. I didn't meditate in high school. I didn't go home. That's beautiful. And then um, I had a follow-up question. Yeah. So do you have like like a lot of those shirts or a really fast washing machine? Because a lot of what? A really fast washing machine. Yeah. Since you always have that same shirt, do you have like, like 100 pairs of them? Or is it just just that same one? And then like... I got 4,000 shirts. I got I got wow. more shirts than God. Ah, okay. Any one, right. any shirt I buy, I buy ten of the same. I believe that's it. yeah. All right, thank you. You're right, thank you. He meditates in high school. You know what I was doing in high school? Fantastic. Just one thing: recognize while you're meditating that this is absolutely the worst part of your life. It gets so much better. High school, forget high school. It's just the worst horror show. It's like, it's being like locked up in an insane asylum. So soon it'll be over and you'll be free. That's great. Keep meditating. Thank you very much. Yeah. Question about the guru. And is that something that we all need to find a guru? No. To? No. That's it. Well, what else are you asking? Um, I feel like that is something that uh, would be important. And a lot of people are, I think, or at least for myself, um, seem to feel that that would be, you know, a real teacher. And mm. if that is that important, how do you Okay, where, where are you going to find one? Big question. Ah, they find us. And Guru is not a human being. Guru is not necessarily in the body. Guru, God, and self are not different. Sometimes you might need somebody who reflects the deepest part of you back to yourself. That's a Guru. The deepest part. But they find us if that's the best thing for us at that moment. Uh, Guru, God, and self are not different. They're the same. If you knew who you were, you would also know who the Guru is. You would also know what God and who God is also. So it's not just waiting for something outside of you to happen. That's the whole point of that statement. Right now, you have everything you need. Everything is inside of you. There's nothing that you need to do or find outside of you. Just see who you are. And the only way to do that is some practice. And if you, as you do these practices and plant more seeds and your life starts to go in a different direction or whatever, maybe you'll come across somebody who will show you something. You can meet different teachers who can help you un uncover certain things in yourself. But when you meet your own being, you've met the guru, you've met God, there's no difference. And when you've met the real guru, you've met your own being. That was the thing about meeting Maharaji actually. And I had met him actually before I met him physically. I, after I met Ramdas, I would dream about him, right? 
And that was not possible. Ramdas only had some little black and white pictures. And then I dreamed about him. Like, it was quite, I, I, this funny dream. I, I, I was, came back to my elementary school and I walked into the gym in my elementary school where I used to play dodgeball, you know, and have dances on rainy days. And there was a stage at one end of the gym. And there on the stage was a, like a, a cot. And there Maharaja was sitting on that cot. And there was a guy standing next to him with a, a white shirt and a dhoti and a black vest, who I met three years later, two years later in India, that I met that guy. So I came into the middle of the gymnasium and I fell down on the floor and I did what they call Dunda Pranam. I bowed down like this. And I was just saying, please let me feel something. I have to feel something. Please let me feel something. And I'm just begging with my whole heart and soul. And he gets up and he walks down the stairs at the edge of the stage. And he walks over to me and puts his hand. I'm laying down like this. He puts his hand on the back of my head, like here. And I start to calm down, calm down. And then this bliss starts to run through me. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, I've never felt anything like this before. Very nice. And it just was getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And I thought to myself, I'm going to fucking die. And just at that moment, he takes his hands off and walks back and sits down. And the dream's over. Okay. That dream happened in spring 69. Okay. So then I go to India in 1970. And then in the spring of 71, I came to the temple late one day. And as I walked into the temple, Maharaj was walking across the courtyard by himself. Now, at that moment, I realized that I had never seen him walk before because we were always invited into a room where he was sitting or he'd come right out and plop down on the, the tucket, the cot. I never saw him walk before and I just stopped because he was walking in the same way he walked in my dream. He had a very funny walk. It was like a two-year-old, like bong, 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 like at the edge of falling over, you know, like bong, 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 bong. And I, and I stopped in the courtyard like, cold. I just, and he stopped in the middle of the courtyard and he looks at me, he goes, he comes, come here. And I just floated toward him and he just laughed, you know, hit me on the head. I didn't even offer the apples. I was just like, he took the apples and threw them around. He's, like, he's just looking at me. He goes, these Westerners are crazy. And he walked into his room and went to, you know, but he walked. I saw him walk in my dream two years before, just that way. That blew my mind. Not enough, but a little bit. But it was amazing. So, you know, you're never without the guru. But because we are stuck in this prison of me, we don't get to be aware of a lot of things that are within us that are always within us. And if so, what we have to do is start slowing down, you know, slow down, do some practice and pray your fucking ass off, you know, get behind it. You really have to want it. 
you know, you, know, you can't fool yourself. But it's hard. It's really hard. You know, I do practice. I sit like this and I'm bored as hell. I don't feel any love, any devotion, you know. Every once in a while I get a little hit, but you can't make it happen. It's so, because there's so much stuff, you know, we just like, we just carry so much shit around with us. Got to start letting go of that if you want to feel what's in there. And it's all in there. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay. And then we'll sing a little bit. Uh, don't look at me. It's you're making all the noise. Okay. Can, can I ask you? Um, That's a microphone, sweetheart. Uh, you got to use it. I don't like the microphone. Well, then you can ask me. Okay. I just wanted to know why did you. Um, left India if you lived there a long time and you were learning the language? A little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why did you leave India? Why did you come back here? He sent me back. Who sent you back? My guru. After, oh. two, after two and a half years, he looked and he said, go home. And did he I tell said, you I'm... why? Why? Yeah, he said, you have attachment there, you have to go. Oh. Hmm. And did you have the opportunity to know BKS Iyengar? Uh, I met Mr. Iyengar at, at uh, the Yoga Journal Conference uh, a couple of years before he died, but uh, I didn't really ever practice with him. Oh, okay. It was too scary. No. I can't even touch my toes. Yes, I can. See? I can touch my toes. Well, I can teach you his yeah. method. Yeah, he was very sweet to me. Mr. Iyengar was very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And I really um, feel very honored to be in your presence. And I feel your love, your humbleness. Thank you. That's your, it's your love too. Thank you very much. <laughs> God bless you. Thank you. I hope she will. Thanks. We're good. Anybody have something you just desperate to ask? Oh, I knew there was going to be somebody. I knew it was you too. No, just kidding. Good. I'm Barbara, and I'm here with my best friend Jessica. Hello. Hi. And we want to just give you a little bit of a quick rundown of how we landed here today. Elizabeth actually up a front, and a gentleman named Will. We crossed paths as we were walking towards our vehicle. We were walking around the panel. We were here for a workshop earlier. We had no idea what anything was. We had never heard your name. But we trusted there were two loving souls that were welcoming that explained to us, um, of course, in that we didn't know in depth or had an understanding of what we were going to be facing, but we took the choice. We were like, okay, let's try this. Been very enlightening. Just want to thank you and thank everyone for sharing and, you know, sharing their teachings and their experiences. But for just souls like ours who are in the midst of, you know, our 30s, we're have recently overcome several obstacles like many of us are going through in life. Um, if there's anything that your heart desires to share with people like us or any thoughts that come to your mind that, you know, we can take from tonight. Well, <laughs> I'd say wandering around has done you a lot of good. Absolutely. Keep it up. Okay. okay. Thank you. Absolutely.